With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Students, the uh, structural feminists, uh, the Marxists, and, and that's pretty much the group of people I, I thought that that. that pre-graduation party. Who cares about what a poor black man has to face every day in a country and a culture controlled by rich white people. My name is Barack Obama. Jesus was a poor black man who lived in a country and who lived in a culture that was controlled by rich white people. Can do with throwing the money around. Obama was dressed in the nicest, slickest clothes. I, when I first met Obama and Shandu, I swear to you, I thought they were both gay, and I thought they were both wealthy. Barack knows what it means to be a black man living in a country and a culture that is controlled by rich white people. Don't you get a kick out of people describing Barack Obama as elitist? Is that you are a leader? Tell me who you walk with, and I will tell you who you are. What's interesting to me in retrospect is I don't I don't listen to more than a handful of African American kids at that house. That was another myth of the Obama presidency is, is the young Obama I knew didn't have particularly deep roots in the African American community. Sheriff Joe Arpaio says he suspects President Obama's birth certificate is a fake. We believe probable cause exists indicating that forgery and fraud may have been committed. We're not going to be able to solve our problems if we get distracted by sideshows and carnival barkers. Speaking of sideshows, distractions, and carnival barkers, settle in. The Situation Report with Doc Jones starts right now. All right. Uh, good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Hey, um, today's date. Let's just kick this off. In July 12, 2012, I can be found in beautiful palatial Old Town Alexandria where there is old money and new people. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Mitt Romney attended the NAACP extravaganza yesterday and reiterated his desire to see a lot of federal programs go by the wayside, and especially Obamacare. He was met with booze. I myself was embarrassed by this. And I was embarrassed because I, I firmly believe that in our heritage, the time that we've spent here in the United States of America, I often look back at my ancestry, which I've traced back to slavery and, 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 and in slightly beyond. And I've learned the names of my my ancestors, both white, black, Puerto Rican, all three. I've learned a lot about my family tree. And I, I've come to the conclusion, I've come to the the realization that those folks, those people who helped to get me here today, wouldn't want me dependent upon anybody, least of all the federal government, for health care or for anything else, dependent. We used to be able to say that we came from a proud race of people, 
hard workers, did not want handouts, would not accept handouts, worked for everything we got, refused to take something for nothing. I remember when hearing stories about my grandfather and great-grandfather, about how they purchased land in Pulaski, Tennessee, and in North Carolina, and how they would purchase one, two, three hundred acres from a white owner, and they would arrange the deals, well, or the deals were arranged so that they would pay off the land in installment. Now, part of the deal was, and a big part of the deal, the most important part of the deal was if if my grandfather, my great-grandfather, failed to repay the loan or make the installments in a timely fashion by a specific due date, each individual installment, if he failed just one time, the owner of the land, the seller of the land, had the option, by law, to take back all of the land, even if the purchaser, my great-grandfather, was down to the second to the last payment. I learned that each and every month, the payments were made in a timely fashion. There were no excuses. My great-grandfather worked Sometimes 12, 14, 18 hours a day, two jobs, working on the farm, the land he purchased, pigs, cows, horses. Sometimes he'd board horses, chickens. He planted tobacco on the land. Whatever he could do to make money to pay off that land, he did. He sacrificed everything. Today, I own that land. We come from a proud race of people, but we are no longer, in my mind, a proud race of people today. We are beggars. We are dependent upon the government. We are so dependent upon the government as black folks that we vote Democrat, even though the Democrat Party has the history of racism and murder. Now, I've heard a friend of mine say once again that the hoods have come off in terms of how we treat President Obama or how he's being treated or their perception of how he's being treated. Remember, the hoods were worn mostly by Democrats. Democrats started the Klan. I know that for a fact in my grandfather and great-grandfather's hometown of Pulaski, Tennessee. That's where the Klan was born. So when you say the hoods have come off, whose hoods are coming off? You mean the hoods of those liberal Democrats who say that, look, Negro, you vote for me. Keep me in power, keep me in office, and I'll throw you a bone every now and then. I'll give you some food stamps. I'll take care of you. I'll look out for you. I'll enact some programs for you, like midnight basketball. In places like Detroit, Chicago, and New York, there was a program under the first Bush administration and even under Bill Clinton, where the local police and firemen would start a basketball league where the hoodlums, because those are the only black folks in my mind who are hanging out at midnight, because most of us had to be home, where hoodlums could get off the street and go play the cops and the firemen 
in a game of basketball. How racist is that? Reminds me of that old joke, how, how do you stop five Negroes from raping a white woman? Throw them a basketball. The person who came up with midnight basketball for inner city hoodlums probably was thinking the very same thing. What happened to us? What happened to us as a people where we vote for a man simply because he's black, even though the national average for unemployment for others is 8.2%, and in the black community, the unemployment rate is 14.3% as of today. But no, Mitt Romney's boo because he wants to cut out these programs. Black folks, what happened to you? What happened to you? Are you no longer a proud race of people? What would our ancestors think right now? Those who suffered through slavery and every other degradation up to this point of us who are living 10,000 times better than they ever did or ever could dream of. And yet, we're making excuses and living off their backs, saying, well, my great-great-grandfather was owned by so-and-so-and-so, and and that's why I can't get a job. What were the words of Frederick Douglass? Leave us alone. If we can't stand on our own two feet, if we can't work for what we get, if we're not worth our own salt, then let us fall. What happened to that? Let me, let's go ahead and let Frederick tell it like it is. Maybe some of you black folks oh, grow a pair of balls, you women get some pride and stop begging the government to give you something for nothing to for giving to give you somebody else's stuff stop whining begging like cowards and children stand on your own two feet freddy ask talk my about friends it who are apologizing for not insisting upon this right. Where can the black man look in this country for the assertion of his right if he may not look to the Massachusetts Anti-Slavery Society? Where, under the whole heavens, can he look for sympathy in asserting this right if he may not look to this platform? Have you lifted us up to a certain height to see that we are men And then are any disposed to leave us there without seeing that we are put in possession of all our rights? We look naturally to this platform for the assertion of all our rights, and for this one especially. I understand the anti-slavery societies of this country to be based on two principles. First, the freedom of the blacks of this country. And second, the elevation of them. Let me not be misunderstood here. I am not asking for sympathy at the hands of abolitionists, sympathy at the hands of any. I think the American people are disposed often to be generous rather than just. I look over this country at the present time and I see educational societies, sanitary commissions, Freedmen's associations and the like, all very good. But in regard to people of color in this land, there has always been more that is benevolent, I perceive, than just manifested toward us. What I ask for the black man is not benevolence, not pity, not sympathy, but simply justice. The American people have always been anxious to know what they shall do with us. 
Everybody has asked the question and learned to ask it early of the abolitionists. What shall we do with the black man? I have had but one answer from the beginning. Do nothing with us. Your doing with us has already played the mischief with us. Do nothing with us. If the apple will not remain on the tree of their own strength, if they are worm-eaten at the core, if they are early ripe and disposed to fall, then let them fall. I'm not for tying or fastening them on the tree in any way except by nature's plan. And if they will not stay there, then let them fall. If the black man cannot stand on his own legs, then let him fall also. All I ask is, give him a chance to stand on his own legs. Let him alone. If you see him on his way to school, let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going to the dinner table at a hotel, then let him go. If you see him going to the ballot box, then let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going into a workshop, just let him alone. Your interference is doing him a positive injury. Let him fall if he cannot stand alone. If the black man cannot live by the line of eternal justice, the fault will not be yours. It will be his who made the black man and established that line for his government. Let him live or die by that. If you will only untie his hands and give him a chance, I think he will live. He will work as readily for himself as the white men. Now, a great many delusions have been swept away by this war. One was that the black man would not work. He has proved his ability to work. Another was that the black man would not fight, that he possessed only the most cheapest attributes of humanity, whether perfect lamb or an Uncle Tom. Disposed to take off his coat whenever required, hold his hand and be whipped by anybody who wanted to whip him. But this war, this war has proved that there is a great deal of human nature in that black man. And that yes, he will fight. Welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with your host, C. Robert Jones, me. Frederick Douglass, a speech given in 1865. Leave us alone. If we can't stand on our own two feet, then let us fall. All that we ask is the chance the opportunity not to be provided for but just the opportunity meaning that don't tell us no we can't try or no we shouldn't be giving given the opportunity to give our best effort but if we don't give our best if we're not good enough then we're simply not good enough. But if we are good enough, if we do the job well, we we earn the job. Earn. Not a handout. Not given something for nothing. Now, contrary to popular misconception, I'm a black man raised in a black community. And all my life, all of my life outside of my family, I have heard 
the excuses. Well, the reason why our schools are doing so poorly is because the government isn't funding black schools. There's not enough money. The government isn't looking out for us. That's the excuse. Not that you're not taking good care of your kids. You're not being sure that they study, do their homework. You're not fostering a learning environment, an environment that cultivates inquisitiveness. Not that. It's the government's fault. It's Whitey's fault. The reason why a black man can't find a job is because of racism. Now, certain members of the Congressional Black Caucus recently has stated that, for example, health care. Health care is, according to certain members of the Congressional Black Caucus, and you know who they are, health care is a right. They've said that health care is a right. Well, let's look closer at what that means. Does that mean that the doctors who go to school and study for eight years and work hard and learn their professions well owe you their expertise? Suppose knowing your history were to be considered to be a right. Does that mean that the fact that I attended schools and earned degrees in history, that I must provide history lessons to you because it's your right? Since when did anything become your right. If the government can give you rights, they can take them away, you morons, and you know who I'm talking about. Stop asking the government to give you something. It's embarrassing to me. As a black man who worked for everything he got, oh, and don't give me that whole thing about Well, you had certain advantages other people didn't have. You had this and you had that. No, no, no. I dropped out of high school in my senior year to join the United States Marine Corps. It was encouraged during the first year of my service in the Marine Corps, the first few months, that I go back and get my diploma, or at least get a GED. But no one forced me to do it. Hell, I wasn't even strongly encouraged to do it. Except that I went back to my former high school, Finger Academy, on 112 in Wallace, Chicago, Illinois, South Side, and I asked that I be allowed to graduate and to receive enough credits to get my high school diploma. I took uh, correspondence courses. I gained the necessary credits over the summer of 1979. And by September of 79, I received my high school diploma, which if I had stayed and graduated with my class in May of 79, I would have gotten it then, but a few months later. But no one forced me to do that. I did it on my own because it was what my my parents expected. And it was good for me in the long run. But so many of you out there are asking, no, demanding that the government provide for you, black people. What happened to you? There was a time in the 30s, 
40s, 50s, and 60s when black men and women were proud. With what little they had, they were proud. They didn't want something for nothing. Now, you know this as well as I do because you've heard the stories. You've heard the stories of our grandfathers and great-grandfathers and so on and how they worked hard to earn, how, for the most part, black folks shunned credit. They didn't want to owe anybody. You know this. You've heard the stories. Remember when black men wanted to work for everything they got and they didn't want to owe anyone, so they refused credit if they couldn't pay for it? They didn't want it. What happened? A number of you, 95% of you, are going to go out and vote for Barack Hussein Obama, even though he doesn't give a damn about you at all, nor should he. But with the unemployment rate in the black community higher than 14%, why? Why are you voting for the guy? Simply because he's black? Is that it? Or maybe or maybe we go back to that whole thing about your blackness and your pride. Is that right? Let's not deal with the facts right now, a well-known radio jock said. Let's just deal with our blackness and our pride. Let me ask you something, black folks. What's going to happen when you try to take that blackness and your pride to the grocery store and to the gas station? I asked this question a couple of uh, radio shows ago. Are you going to be able to feed your children, send them off to college with just your blackness and your pride? East Coast asked in the chat room, you from the south side. Of course I know Green Street. Of course I know 63rd and Halsted very, very well. I also know 63rd and Low. little club out there called The Taste. Used to hang out there in the 80s when I'd come home on leave. Oh, those were good times. But here we go. Some so-called African Americans, and I use so-called because in the course of my 50 years on this planet, I've been four different ethnic groups so far. I've been colored. Well, I've been Negro. I've been colored, I've been black, and now I'm African-American. That's all in the span of my lifetime. How embarrassing is that, first of all? How embarrassing is it to be Negro, colored, black, and then African-American all in one lifetime? Individually. Damn. (laughs) Italians go their whole lineage from the first Italian till today being Italian. (laughs) German go from, go back to when Germany was called Germania. Thousands of years ago. We've been African American we've been four different ethnic groups in what? Not counting the other other word, the N word. We've been four different ethnic groups. <laughs> it's uh yeah, but hey. Sixty third in Halsted, Chicago, Illinois. Sixty third, speaking of sixty third, let me just get off topic here for a moment. 63rd, talk about a thriving area in Chicago back in the 60s and early 70s. Black businesses all up 
and down Halsted Street from 70, from what? From, from 112th Street all the way back to 63rd Street, Halsted Street, black businesses thriving, all up and down 63rd, which goes east and west. Now, those of us who grew up around that area, take a walk down 63rd and Halsted, and you will drop dead. First of all, you might be shot, so you'll probably be dropped, you'll drop dead of that uh, because they're blowing each other away, you know, uh, five or six a day. And if you manage to make it across the street without being shot down dead, you'll take note that the place is run down to the ground. But hey, let's not deal with the facts. Let's just deal with our blackness, baby, and our pride. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Why? Why vote for Barack Hussein Obama? Why? Well, we'll ask that question and we'll we'll answer it in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr. President of the United States. All right. We're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. That uh, clip crapped out. Hell, I think the whole computer just crapped out. I don't know. But hey, we're back. We're, we're just going to let that one slide and move on to something else. Flag Brothers. Oh, my God. Now the uh, East Coast is speaking my language. East Coast, are you from the great city of Chicago? Flag Brothers. Wow. And that's taking you way, way back. Uh, there's no doubt about that. All right. Now, some black folks have to be seriously embarrassed because they've watched with envy, because black folks are certainly are envious people. I number myself as one. As President Obama has courted every other voting bloc critical to his reelection hopes. Everybody. Asians, Jews, just plain old white folks, uh, certainly uh, Arabs, Muslims, Christians, well, not so much Christians, but everybody else. With hopes that they will help boost his reelection efforts. Well, It's not working out that way, is it? So let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back and we'll talk about it. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation. Health care, job discrimination, education, equality across the board. Everything that you have done in your career has been for equality, has been for opportunity for all. But moving forward, What's the climate going to be like? What's the fight going to be like? What's, what's it going to be like moving forward as opposed to some of the things that you've had to do in the past? Well, I think that what we did in the past, we did based on what we had to do. I, and, and there's none of the situations I got in I wouldn't get in. I would just know how to fight and deal with them more strategically, which goes back to uh, the point that we were d- discussing mm-hmm. with Dr. Mm-hmm. West. Uh, uh, I think that... A lot of what I'm trying to say is in the spirit of what Velma said. I think, yes, the president has to be held accountable, and the president said that when he spoke at National Action Network. But I think that too many of us are putting it all on the president. If I see a riot in Congress, 
Where's the counterpoint to Ryan? That's not President Obama's job. He shouldn't lead the civil rights marches against himself. Robert, what about the that? churches, the academics, everybody's like sitting yeah. around acting like we can't do nothing. Obama should do it. That's hogwash. I, I agree with you. Look, we need foot soldiers on the ground that's going to be able to do the, all the heavy lifting. There's no question about. It. I guess my point simply was, and look, I'm just the messenger. Is that a lot of folks on Capitol Hill, and I'm talking more about the more progressive wing of the party, that are saying I'm tired of doing all of the hard work and not having the administration defend me. I'm tired of doing all the heavy lifting, and then thus in the process, the next day. At the podium, but why not? I didn't understand where the leadership is because the fact of the matter is, each of them were elected by a constituent base. I agree. Each of them should stand on their own. And each of them, while the parties should support each other, at the end of the day, they should be held accountable for their own actions. And there should be accountable. There should be accountability. No, but I think the problem is this that they have a black constituency, and there's a context in the nation that a criticism of President Obama is a, an attempt to support right-wing vicious attacks of Fox News and others. Cornell, Part of the Cornell. problem right now, let me tell you something, brother. No, 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 no. I love no, this no. brother when he was outside. I love this brother giving his access, but I tell you this, I worry about your brother because you could be easily manipulated by those in the White House who do have the interests of Wall Street oligarchs, who do have the interests of corporate plutocrats, and you oppose, but you end up being the public face, and if which Barack is Obama exactly ends why, up just being another black mascot of these which Wall Street is exactly oligarchs, why we you would, just would be in a world of trouble. Film, that I'm the one out there in the trenches at the labor rallies that, and during the marches. You just saw that while a lot of people are sitting around inside their ivory Towers talking because I don't buy what you just said, Cornell. That, Wait a minute. When you talk about a lot of those blacks in Washington don't want to challenge the president yeah. because he's black. Because black community Wait, no, no, no. Let, me community Let me finish. They will represent those same communities when they supported George Bush on the Iraq war and only one black woman, Barbara Lee, voted against the war. They were scared then and they're scared now. If you're scared, say you're scared. Don't blame that on Obama. What, what say about, you're scared to stand up for the people. What about no, that, Cornell, question, because for you, you're Why did they vote for Bush? Why did they vote for Bush? Your, do you have a critique of Obama, or are you? No, I, my are critique you of Obama. No, no. My- All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones situation report. I think you get the picture. Black folks are kind of torn between whether they should support Obama or whether Obama is selling them out and taking them for granted. Now, bear in mind, Obama won 95% of the black vote in 2008, and polls show he enjoys, at this time, 87% support among black registered voters versus 5% for Republican rival Mitt Romney. But check this out. If I have the opportunity, I mean, just thinking economically, And thinking about my family, my sons, my daughters, who do I vote for? Do I vote for a man who pretty much tells me to shut up, get out of my bedroom slippers, stop whining, stop complaining, and get out and march, and get in people's faces, Who wants to give me food stamps and a handout? Who tells me that the government will solve all my problems and look after me as if I'm a child who can't afford to look out for himself? Or would I vote for a man who says that he'll bring prosperity back to the United States so that jobs will be, well, at least He'll help foster an environment where entrepreneurs may hire more, where I'll have the opportunity to help myself. I I don't know. Is it a toss-up? Who are you going to vote for? Who are you going to call? You're going to vote for the guy who says... I'll give you something for nothing. I'll give you, I'll take from somebody else to give to you. Oh, and by the way, here's some food stamps or an EBT card or whatever the hell they're calling it these days. And I'll give you 
another 99 weeks of unemployment, how does that help? How does that foster prosperity? Because if Barack Obama tells you he can take care of you or he's going to help you so that you don't have to go out and fend for yourself, how much is he going to help you? Is he going to give you a Mercedes-Benz? Is he going to give you a nice forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar car? Is he going to provide for you a three, two, three hundred thousand dollar four bedroom, three bath house, two and a half maybe, on a nice plot of land? Is he going to see that you have money in the bank for a rainy day? Is he going to provide a college education for your children? And if so, why would he do that? They won't have an opportunity to use it because he's providing everything for them. Is Obama going to provide for you? Or do you just want the chance to provide for yourself? Do you want to have the opportunity to become rich, wealthy, powerful, just the opportunity. I mean, come on, people. What has happened to black people? You want something for nothing? Millionaire developer R. Donahue Peoples, a 52-year-old D.C. native whose company website touts the Peoples Corp as the country's largest African-American real estate development company. A private company, folks. The man also happens to be a top fundraiser for President Barack Obama, raising between 100 and 200 k for his re-election so far. But in a 20-minute conversation with Huffington Post, Monday, Peebles blasted Obama's campaign messaging. He said, as he told other press outlets, that his frustration was sparked by receiving an email from the DNC that mocked Romney's, Romney as out of touch for having a boat that fit 12 people, accompanied by um, a picture of the Republican presumptive nominee on vacation. Are you kidding me? First, let's set aside the fact that Barack Obama has vacationed almost as much as George Bush did in four years, in eight years, in four. On At our expense, by the way. His wife has vacationed in some of the most, the finest locales on earth with an entourage of anywhere between two and three hundred, at our expense. What's wrong with owning a boat that will fit 12 people? Has success been vilified so much? Do you not want your children, and I'm talking to you black folks again, to grow up and be successful? Or do you want your children to grow up and be dependent upon the government? People says that the DNC email that he received offended him. He says that if I were on the fence, he'd have lost me. And he quote, he goes on, and I quote, what I get concerned about is the message from the Obama campaign that we're only that we only want someone who has not been successful to run for president. What do we want here? You can't be successful and run the country. We don't want somebody who's been successful to run it. That doesn't make sense, people said. But you know what? The, the Obama administration couldn't care less about that. Anybody who's successful is somehow tainted or up to no good. Imagine. 
he goes on to say, I look at that and I see that those things are becoming offensive to some of his strongest supporters financially. He says that it would be unrealistic to think that that kind of thing would not impact the enthusiasm of those who are supportive of the president financially and certainly would turn off those who are on the fence to say, you know what? To heck with it. I'm done. Of course. We have folks. And I'm talking to everybody here. We have a president of the United States who's basically saying that if you are successful, if you work hard and you earn a lot of money, that somehow you're out of touch. So I guess your humble host here is certainly I'm way out of touch. Out of touch. East Coast in the chat room says, Doc Jones, do you believe black folks really believe what you're saying? Pay my rent? I don't know, East Coast. i tell you what I do believe. Coming from the city of Chicago and the South Side, I do believe that black people believe that they're owed something. Reparations. Something. That they're owed something for nothing. I believe, East Coast, that black people are living or at least attempting to live off the backs of our forefathers. You know, those actual people who suffered through slavery and even those people who had to sit on the back of the bus as far back or as early as the 60s and all the way back to the first slave ship that set foot on this continent. Black folks today are living off that legacy, and not in a good way. Black folks now have opportunities that our ancestors could not even imagined, least of all dreamt of. And yet, you still see black people walking around today saying, My ancestors suffered 400 years of slavery, and that's why I can't get a job. Well, that's why I'm so stupid. That's why I can't read. I can't read because the white man put my grand, my great-great-grandfather in slavery. Still talking about the 60s as if they're living in the 60s. As if nothing's changed. Can you imagine a 23, 24, 26-year-old, a 30-year-old walking around whining about racism? whining about racism as if we're still living in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and even the 60s. If my great-grandfather were here today, and he heard some of the whining going on by by black people today, he'd, he'd pull out his pistol and blow their asses away. He would be so damn disgusted, he would probably slap the hell out of some of those folks. At the very least, come on. Can you imagine somebody who never suffered the way our forefathers did, the way our grandfathers did, whining about racism? Are you kidding me? It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It reminds me of the time I was standing in a club In fact, the taste on 163rd, I mean on 63rd Street, 63rd and Low, which is just four blocks east of Halsted. And I heard a Vietnam vet talking about Vietnam. Now, this was 1982. Vietnam had not been that far off, that far back. And I said to him, very stupidly, dude, Vietnam is over. Stop whining about it. Come on. Couldn't have been that bad. That was pretty dumb, considering that just a few years later, I would be in Grenada, Panama, Beirut, Lebanon, 
Iraq twice and then Afghanistan and have my own stories to tell. My point is we'd never live through the type of slavery, the type of hardship that our grandfathers and great-grandfathers did and and even before that. And to whine about it now and expect something for nothing, something for free. You owe me, Mr. White Man, or you owe me. The government owes me. I have black people telling me right here and now every single day that there are companies that made their bones or made their pro- their their uh, their prosperity off the backs of black labor. And now those companies owe them a living. I'm going to you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dedicate a whole show next week. And I'm going to I'm going to call these companies out that made their profits, that made their their bones, that made their made their, their companies what they are off the backs of so called slave labor. And we're gonna talk about it because a lot of black folks talk about these companies that somehow because they allegedly exploited black labor that now Three generations, four, five, six generations later, you want to reap the rewards of it. Oh, great granddaddy, he's dead and gone. I never met the man. I only saw like one or two pictures of him. But I understand that he worked for a company that exploited him. And now somehow that money's owed to me. (laughs) How is that possible? black folks you are embarrassing not all of you just a lot of you when you start begging the government to take care of you to look out for you to give you something for nothing to give you something that you didn't earn you're embarrassing We can't attack wealth creation and attack people just because they're wealthy. And we can't attack wealth and success and making that a bad thing. It's like going to school and the bullies picking on the A students, calling them nerds and so forth. So what do we want? A whole school of dummies? That's from Mr. Peoples criticized Barack Obama for blasting those of us who have the the skills, the nerve, the fortitude to go out and make something of ourselves and just so happens in the process make a ton of money to go along with it. Because listen up, folks. It's not that far off from the type of money I make to the type of money you make. And where will it end if you make if i make 270,000 a year and you make 70,000 a year what do you think's going to happen when all my money's gone and you've got 70,000 a year coming to you and there's somebody who's got 25,000 suddenly you're the rich person now and then Mr. Obama's going to come looking for you. It's all relative. I make a pretty good salary. I make a pretty good buck for my companies that I own. But I'm no Donald Trump. I'm no Bill Gates. I make pennies compared to those guys. It's all relative. Remember, when they come for me, well, when they come for Bill Gates... It's not that far before they come to me. And then it's not that far off before they come to you. Stop begging the government to give you something for nothing. It's embarrassing. Stop asking for a handout. Don't even ask for a hand up. 
Frederick Douglass said it. Leave us alone. If we cannot stand on our own two feet, let us fall. Obama says we shouldn't be left to fend for ourselves. That the Republicans want us to fend for ourselves. That's a direct quote. Yes. I want to fend for myself. I don't want the government to give me anything. I don't want the government's help. I want to be left alone. Didn't our ancestors, black and white, fight a revolutionary war so that we could be left alone? East Coast writes in the chat room, So, Dr. Jones, when you get a little wealth, the Democrats become your enemy? No, East Coast. I was a Republican back in 1980 when Ronald Reagan ascended to the presidency, and I was a young Marine private, or private first class, making $740 a month. Not every two weeks a month, my man. And I was a Republican then. And I'm Republican now. I'm conserv- I was conservative then, and I'm conservative now. Okay, did I say it again? Can I say it again? $740 a month as a United States Marine. Okay, the year was 1979, baby. So, hey, it's not about money. It's not about money. It's not about things, East Coast. It's about being left alone. It's it's about saying, don't help me. Don't give me anything. Just leave me alone, and I'll go get it myself. Leave me alone. All right. We've come to the end of the show. I hope everyone has a great night tonight. Uh, uh, 2020 radio show, show was great last night, but hey, um, my lady Southern Sense and Cool Mike are going to have a great roundtable show tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I urge everyone who can be there to be there. I'll be there. So join the discussion. If you're at work or at home, all you got to do is pull up the website, blogtalkradio.com. Look for Southern Sense, Annie the Radio Chick with Cool Mike, and just kind of discreetly put the website there and turn the speakers up just enough so you can hear it and listen to our show. Listen to our broadcast. I'm going to be there, and a lot of other blog talk hosts are going to be there as well. Also, GGT 183, Conservative Primetime tonight at 1130. Check him out as well. And when you can, please do check out G-Ski 2020 Radio. I hope everyone has a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hopefully, you'll be able to join us tomorrow. And uh, hey, good night. God bless. God bless the United States of America. Hey, black folks, stop begging. It's embarrassing. You're embarrassing me.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.